recording? <laughs> oh yeah, I pushed record. Hello! Okay. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> uh, welcome to episode 14. We are very excited to be here recording today. <laughs> yeah, we're excited every day, but... Particularly today, I guess, uh, we are recording from my house in different rooms because we are silly and don't have a whole lot of tech in our lives or have an awful lot, but just not for ourselves. Yeah, we're going to fix it one day or something like that. (laughs) I want to apologize to everybody listening. I have really bad allergies today, so I'm going to be kind of sniffly. It's not cocaine. It's histamines yeah histamines yeah cocaine would probably be more fun than histamines but either way they're not great yeah it was like cocaine is a shitty drug yeah i assume that that's true i've only done hawaii cocaine which means by the time it's made it here it's probably not even cocaine anymore oh that's that's funny yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I don't know it's so this is weird I don't know but it's really hard for me to be like a just say no person you know like I feel like before you make any judgments you should like explore and see if maybe you know see what the experience is like but uh I haven't done drugs in a very long time uh yeah I have not done any synthetic drugs in a very long time I did mushrooms like a couple weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) had a great time nice good for you yeah well i can't smoke pot you know like pot's like not even like a drug anymore um or like you know it's really not thought of one in a lot of places and so like uh it's never really been thought of one in hawaii even though it's illegal here silly um but regardless of that fact I can't smoke pot because I get crazy paranoia. Mushrooms just are funny, like how pot used to be before I was an adult and life got scary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true. Life is scary as an adult. Two Um, things. First thing, land acknowledgement. We're on native land, everybody. It's the Kingdom of Hawaii. It was annexed in 1893 illegally, and we need to acknowledge that uh, there is an indigenous peoples in this land who are getting the shit end of the stick. Yeah, and if you want to read our full land acknowledgement, which talks about our uh, positionality and reflexivity in relation to the state, you can check it out on our website at outonanislandpodcast.com, and it's the land acknowledgement section. Any, uh, Any news you want to talk about today? um well maybe but first I wanted to touch on like before you were saying something about adulting thing and um I got this meme the other day that said adulting adulthood is saying but after this week things will slow down a bit over and over until you die (laughs) (laughs) oh god Uh, I know I was like that really resonates with me (laughs) like in a in one of those painfully true ways where it's uh oh, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. Let's talk about that. How are you doing? You got some exciting news this week, or an exciting situation going on? Yeah, it's been kind of. It's been a good week for me. Um, I did get exciting news. I got a job. We're just waiting for some stuff to, 
you know, come together before we actually like talk about it and share it with people. Um, we're just kind of doing some preliminary research, but hopefully by next week when we record, you know, I will have all of the news to share, but I got one. <laughs> That's, you know, congratulations. Everybody tell Alicia congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I also did my uh, first session of my adult autism assessment, and that went really well, too. Like, it oh, definitely... Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did the first one yesterday, and the next one is going to be in two weeks, and then the last one. And um, they have you... So, like, you do this behavioral interview, and then you start working through all these different, like, questionnaires, and then you have to do these, like, tests. Anyway, three three tests, and I wound up having to do one for ADHD as well, and the person who was doing my assessments said that they think that I have dyscalculia and dyslexia as well. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like dys- dyscalculia, which is um, like where you, like you transpose like numbers and symbols in math. And it actually made like a whole bunch, a whole bunch of sense when she said it, because like I would know how to do things, but I couldn't show it in my work and I did really bad on tests because I would mess things up and like I um the biggest thing that I remember is like there's less than and greater than and like they have these symbols and I got every single question wrong when I did that in like elementary school because I reversed to them um but it it does a lot to just explain like why I had a hard time with math when I wasn't necessarily bad at math like um it was just extra challenging because I'd put a four where there wasn't supposed to be a four or something so um we'll see what she says when she looks at all those tests but she said you know genuine I don't know I wanted to try to like leave it anonymous she said by the time that people get to the stage where they are doing an assessment with her they pretty much are on the spectrum and things are like tracking in that direction so like so that felt really good (laughs) just to get some clarity or at least be headed down a path to it yeah and in my final packet is going to be um letters for doctors and employers and also recommendations for like hr and for me for what accommodations that i need so it's really kind of like just this cool it's really cool i um am definitely happy that i am doing it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, congratulations for that too, you know, I mean, getting to getting to find out a little bit more about yourself, uh, especially in a healthy way is always very cool. Always. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's going on with you this week? How are you doing? Uh, currently, I'm a big ball of histamines, uh, but <laughs> other than that... <laughs> Yeah, it's been wild. It's been like a wild, like, past six weeks, really. But mostly at this point, I guess it's kind of coming to a close. I leave tomorrow. I'm going to go to a wedding uh, in San Diego. And then from there, I go to Mexico for a bit. And then to Seattle. The reason this trip is so diverse (laughs) in locations is simply because it's way too expensive to stay in California for the allotted time that I need between being in Seattle and San Diego. Mm. Uh, And so it was literally cheaper to take an international flight than it was to just stay on the West Coast. So 
that's exciting though it's like for the first time that I can think of in a long time I actually have six days uh where I just like don't actually have to do anything Yay! Uh, yeah like there's no agendas there's no there's no nothing and so that feels that feels good my brain definitely needed a break from <laughs> everything yeah what is the part you're looking forward to the most because you've got three I love so we do trips like that too where it's like we have these like we do trips in sections as well like oh we're gonna go do this and then we'll do this and then we'll do this and you know it just feels like an an adventure you know yeah totally I mean by far the thing that I'm most excited for is my buddy's wedding yeah it's my my good friend Sean from at therapy SD on Instagram uh the band therapy they're fucking awesome and we've been friends for a really long time and uh, I'm really happy to go celebrate with them. Plus, like, a bunch of the kids I grew up with in Hawaii are going to be there, you know? So that's really, really exciting. Uh, I think it's probably been near 15 years since I've been in the same room as some of them, you know? So That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that should be fun. Yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's my favorite kind of trip. It's all punk rock and uh, shows and... It's, you know, old friends and stuff. So I'm excited for it. I'm extremely excited for it. I'm excited for you. I have a question. Did we introduce ourselves? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Uh, I'm out. 14 episodes in. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you just kind of forget at some point. It's like having a conversation. Um, Yeah, I'm Al or Alicia or Alicia, whatever you prefer. I'm Diz, just as best friend gave me Al and um, we just kind of like took the first syllables of our names. But um, at some point in our friend group, everyone had an O added to their name. So it was like Nico, Jeno, Anno, Stevo. Um, and then they didn't want to call me Allo because they didn't like it. So they called me Uncle Al. And so that's <laughs> who, <laughs> that's who I've been like that. And I still get texts like Uncle Al, you know, like happy birthday, Uncle Al. And like, uh, I think before getting like before actually graduating, I've been trying to like, oh, maybe I do want to bring that that one back. And like, especially as we started this podcast, like I was like, you know, um, cause that's who I was for so long, especially during like my foundational, like punk rock period that like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I want to try to bring it back and just have people be comfortable with calling me like Al, if they want to call me Al and like Alicia or Alicia, I have people that call me both at work. And like, I just am not a, a pronunciation. I don't mind how you pronounce my name just as long as it's spelled right I do care that it's spelled right (laughs) (laughs) good to know good to know cool well anything in the news you want to talk about is there anything ever um honestly like I don't really know a whole lot that's going on in the news this week I've been kind of consumed in like my own world stuff fair Um, enough yeah what about you um not really i mean (laughs) it's the news is sad and it's not that like i am not you know paying attention to it like i'm definitely paying attention to what's going on you know what i do want to talk about this one thing i'm really really tripped out by like how much monkeypox is in the news 
Oh, um, yeah. Because people are treating it like it's, like, another, like, big outbreak or something. Which, like, I guess they are... There is, like, cases of it cropping up, sure. But, like, we're talking about it like it's going to be, like, another pandemic or something. And, like, monkeypox is very, very, very hard to transmit. Like, it's basically, like, an STD. It's, like, skin-to-skin kind of, like, transmission, you know? So, Mm. I... I kind of am irritated by the fact that I see it so often just because it feels like fear-mongering. I don't know if anybody else has any opinions on that. It's just been bothering me a lot because I feel like that is an inherent trait of monkeypox is that it is difficult to transmit. That's cool. I didn't know that, um, that it was difficult to transmit. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I mean, you know, even a lot of the public health announcements that you hear about it, like they say to be like weary of or like just aware of the fact that like cases of it have cropped up, but like that you're probably not in any real danger of catching it. So I just don't know why it's in the news so often. I mm. guess maybe it's because we're not talking about COVID anymore, even though like I feel like, should we be? Probably. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. I get that people are sick of it or whatever, but um <laughs> That doesn't that doesn't change things. There actually is a story that I clicked on this week. Um, I subscribe to Civil Beat. You listener happen to click on our show notes. You'll notice that a lot of our local news like comes from Civil Beat, and it's because they really support it as like a local news organization. They've just expanded to other islands, and there's a lot of crazy headlines this week, like about how there's these people that are illegally occupying like a pot farm, and they're like saying like you know you this is our land, like you can't kick us off our land, but they like actually have to leave or else they're going to get arrested. They have like, you know, so many days as an ordinance or whatever. Anyway, the story that I clicked on is about Sea Life Park because we on Oahu, there is like a thing like SeaWorld and um, we still have like Cetacans and, you know, performing, um, we still have performing life, which is like, you know, a lot of the aquariums had done away with like whale shows and dolphin shows. And we still have that. And like, apparently the conditions like aren't improving, even though they keep getting money for like small improvements. Um, And so it's, it's like not necessarily an opinion piece, but it's like just talking about like the problems that we have keeping sea life. And like at Sea Life Park Hawaii, we've surpassed like we're like the number one in cetacan deaths and total marine deaths um since opening yeah so that's more than miami aquarium more than that's so fucking depressing it is it's so depressing and like like people were saying oh yeah some of these conditions that were present since 2015 are like still there you know and like i don't know it just is very sad and i wanted to know more about it Yeah, that's not fucking surprising to me at all, dude. Like, you know, um, Hilo Zoo, the Paneva Zoo, like, Mm. they're trying. They're trying. (laughs) They're free for visitors. And it's not like they are really terrible in so many words, but they would be much better serving as, like, a botanical garden, I think. Uh, We keep bringing in tigers, and they keep getting sick and dying, we also uh, are, have this are three racha sick. Um, I I th- I don't know if the new ones they brought in have gotten oh, okay. sick yet, but like literally every other tiger we've ever had 
here has gotten sick and died because um, you know this tigers don't belong here there's all kinds of crazy things that can happen to them namely right now with a lot of animals that we have in the zoo is their exposure to rat lungworm mm-hmm. um i noticed not too long ago that they started lining the cages with like copper uh mm. like frames because slugs fun fact can't travel across copper and oh i didn't know that yeah their their flesh has some kind of strange reactivity to it and it like basically burns them so like when you see like yeah copper tracing or like framing around any plant that's what's going on there but Anyway, rat lungworm, for anyone who doesn't know, is a parasite that is carried in slugs, and we have it in Hawaii, and it makes it really dangerous to eat greens raw. You have to wash everything really well. It's uh, it's shitty, but, you know, a lot of these animals are not, definitely not immune to it because they've never encountered it before, and we are just putting them in a habitat where they're like, well, of course, they're going to eat raw green things, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. so it's pretty shitty. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. We don't, I don't know why we, why we even need that, you know, Sea Life Park or zoos or anything, like, the flora and fauna, or like, the local ecosystems here are very very uh very exciting enough i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah dang one cool thing talking about parasites though i did read this article that was really cool so apparently like in the tundras right now they're finding this really cool thing in caribou where caribou are getting infected with these gut parasites and that doesn't sound awesome except for the fact that it's causing them to eat a little less which means that they are eating less plants and undulates do devastating destruction to, you know, foliage, um, especially when there's large numbers of them. They're eating less and it's causing the plants to come back on the tundra. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool. It's like a awesome like side effect (laughs) yeah you know nature balances itself out it's pretty dope how it happens but um yeah just speaking of parasites i did see that article and if anyone needed some good news the good news is there's plants flourishing on the tundras yeah that's really neat that is really neat thank you for sharing and that's like a great positive thing which is in contrast to what we're gonna talk about today i know we should really <laughs> start talking about like at least one positive thing in the news every episode. <laughs> i agree i think that would be nice i you know i believe in us we we make changes you know we yeah, can't make totally. changes <laughs> we're gonna make a change to this podcast and start talking about happy things that's one change yeah um cool well let's talk about our podcast and what it's about today yeah so we do have a lyric do you want to share that uh oh I guess what we're gonna talk about today is um mainly just the question like can you separate the art from the person or the art from the controversy that you know has created this thing yeah uh example can you separate michael jackson from pedophilia a lot of people do a lot of people don't think you should you know what i mean uh and so that's what we're talking about today we're talking about that in the punk rock scene and beyond um yeah the titular lyrics for today is uh how could you stand in the display 
the cause of so much pain and that's from the song spear and magic helmet by the gits yay and we've talked about the gits either last week or the week before and they were really cool and then mia zapata right was murdered yeah, zapata yep yeah. and they never found her killer. Anybody in the Seattle area interested in learning more about that, or I mean, anybody interested in learning more about it, you can Google the Gits or her name, Mia Zapata, spelled M-I-A-Z-A-P-A-T-A. Yeah. I mean, we have a link in the show notes for the episode that we talked about that, too. Cool. So can you can you separate artists from their controversy on a personal level? Can you do that? <laughs> I think that's a really interesting question. Like, usually the answer is no. And um, it's because it's because especially if like someone does something that's so detestable, it's like, no, I don't want to support you in any way. And I feel like that's kind of the benefit of like, you know, that are in this capitalist society. That's like where my voice goes, where where my money goes is where my voice goes. It's where my um my thoughts, beliefs, and opinions go. And so like, I've had to let go of some really cool art or things that were very personal to me, whether it was music or um, movies or whatever, because like, no, I just don't feel like you can separate it. And I think if you, I'm going a couple places right now. So if you do separated you should still like if you can appreciate the art then you still should know the context behind it of how it was created um and be able to like have that be a part of the discussion um there is uh I was doing just okay one place I want to go is Roman Polanski because he committed you know perceive he committed crimes or whatever before I was born he's a director and like I love Rosemary's Baby do I get it I know do I get as much enjoyment out of it now knowing like what you know like that he did some shit that was not great and that's why he lives in another country because he you know like doesn't want to be like expatriated to America or something and arrested Mm -hmm. and tried it's made his stuff really less enjoyable but like I think because he isn't on screen or something he's you know he's he didn't write rosemary's baby i don't know anyway he's the one i'm on the fence about but everyone else you know it's real easy for me to be like no johnny depp you know came up for me especially with everything that's going on so we uh were researching for this episode and i saw this um post on reddit and i thought that it was really like interesting to think about and i'm just gonna paraphrase it um and it just says something like it's really unhealthy for you to not separate art from the person um and if you just assume everyone is a bad person then you're gonna have like a way easier time in life like basically well that's pretty Um, bleak (laughs) Yeah, I don't. So I don't know uh, how I feel about. I mean, I don't agree with that. I do know how I feel about that. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't yeah. agree with that. Um, from a personal place, can you just generally separate a person from their like shitty shit? Um, it. I think there's varying degrees of shitty, right? So like that is like one of the biggest 
that is one of the biggest discussions that gets had when you start talking about this subject as a whole because there are so many like multifaceted layers to this conversation like there's is there a difference between like pedophilia and like beating your wife like there is a difference because you know obviously like pedophilia would probably be more severe on like a richter scale of like fucked up you know but like they're both bad right like yeah um, like neither of those is good so it's it comes down to like a lesser evil kind of situation and so like i think that is the biggest uh conversation that gets brought up when you discuss this topic i i think lines get drawn for me in terms of like whether or not oh whether so this is this is where it gets really hard Michael Jackson is a great example, right? Because Michael Jackson was obviously a pedophile and the world forgot about it when he died because he was a very celebrated musician. And he was a talented man. That's not the issue here. Yeah. But like the issue is, did he molest children? Yes, he did. And so then I think the discussion from there always gets carried back to like, well, of course he was fucked up. Look what his dad did to him. But I think it's pretty easy to argue that most people with that tendency were probably molested by a parent or family friend or just some adult in their past. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can't mitigate for one person without mitigating for all of them. Um, And so for me, it's kind of like I... I have a hard time separating art from, (laughs) let's put it this way. I don't listen to Snoop Dogg because I don't like to hear songs about whoring out women for your own personal gain. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't agree with like the concepts of like being a pimp. Right. So like, what, does that music do for me? But that's not the way that most of the world feels about it. Snoop Dogg is one of the most famous artists of all time, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And it's funny how that probably makes me a stickler or like makes me uptight in like popular opinion. But that's just like how I personally feel about it. So I think if we're going to, I mean, if we're going to talk about the subject as a whole, like, and like I said, there's varying degrees of severity for the cases, like you kind of have to, you kind of have to big picture the thought and just say like either somebody is or isn't a thing and everything that they produce is not exclusive beyond like who they are right like yeah um, no that makes a lot of sense and I think as long as you don't judge people because they listen to Snoop Dogg right there's a place for a conversation to be had like oh I don't listen to Snoop Dogg because da 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 and that's actually more meaningful than telling someone well you're a piece of shit because you like Snoop Dogg you know like and so I I think that it's really cool that you like don't judge people people you know you leave that space for for conversation instead you know yeah I mean obviously the conversation has like we were just having this conversation at a party what two weeks ago yeah (laughs) Uh, this exact same conversation which actually kind of spurred the whole question for this episode but like it how you know like I don't 
I don't think that you're going to get around having that discussion because like I said, that's the first place anybody's going to go with this is like, well, there's varying degrees of severity between like offenses and, and like how valuable the artist was to the world. Yeah. Um, Kevin Spacey like is a trash person and he, you know, I can't watch anything that he has done um, because of, of how trash he was. And then like, Brian Singer, as a director, you know, did a lot of really shitty things, too. Like, they had Brian's boys, you know, they they raped young boys on set. Like, that's not cool. Um, but could I... I can tell you a lot less Brian Singer movies than I can tell you Kevin Spacey movies. And I think that's just because that's how, you know, like, actors are portrayed versus how directors are portrayed. But it does make me want to make a you know, more conscious effort in like being like, okay, who did produce this art? You know, like um, when Me Too happened, um, so we, I mean, like it's a big question all the time, um, but like when Me Too happened, I posed it to my gender and women's studies class. Like, can you separate someone from the art, especially with, you know, Harvey Weinstein, you know, does the fact that he produced all of this stuff taint all of the stuff and I I don't know that it does like Miramax films like like where am I going with this Kevin Smith as a director and a writer had creative control over his products right they were just in part produced by and distributed by Harvey Weinstein and so it's like do I feel that Harvey Weinstein's impact on those films is enough to like stop watching those? No, because I don't identify those things as Harvey Weinstein's products. Um, And I could be wrong about that, but that's just generally how I feel about like Harvey Weinstein, but it still is worth talking about. Okay. This is, this is what happened uh, with Harvey Weinstein, this is now how Miramax is structured and controlled, you know, to ensure that like this doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I don't know. I feel yeah, that's how I feel about Harvey Weinstein. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, does it have to do with like how close to actually making the art someone someone is? I think it does. You know, production companies are an interesting concept because, like, you can't get a movie made without a production company. Um, not not financially, you know, and not something that it's going to be shown on, like, the silver screen level. So I feel like it, you're that's kind of the nature of the beast that you're going to have to go through something like Miramax, like, to enable your your vision to like be uh shown to the world and so i don't know if like it was it's necessarily fair to the people who wrote this movie like the people who wrote like the screenplay you know what i mean and like the script and like the directors to demonize the entire creation because it got pushed through a production company that was run by a piece of shit you know like when they are conceptually like making their art 
I don't think that they're worried about like finding a production company and maybe they should be like, maybe the world should be more conscious of this, but until recently, I don't think we ever considered it to where like, we should be like, Oh, I better make sure that like my, my production company is, you know, in the, on the up and up, (laughs) like, (laughs) um, I don't think that's like really part of the process, you know, um, it would probably be a better world if it was. Yeah. Um, and it would probably be a, a much, you know, less filthy Hollywood if it were. But I just don't think that you can demonize those people for not having that be part of the process and getting their vision made. Um, yeah. Because until Weinstein, the world didn't really think about it, you know, not on a not on a mainstream level. Like I know like people like Corey Feldman and Corey Haim got exposed to a lot of shitty things and I'm sorry I don't remember which one of them took his own life but I know that he did it because he was so severely molested as a child actor you know Haim thank you yeah Corey Feldman Um, is still alive and so I know that a lot of people have been talking about this for a really long time this underbelly of Hollywood but like I don't think it was recognized in the mainstream and so maybe now that it is we can start expecting more people to want to source out you know more well-to-do companies or like but like up until this point like anything that's been made in the past I don't know that we can demonize anybody who went through Miramax yeah I kind of feel the same um we so being a punk rock prod, uh, podcast, right? We um, we should probably talk about some of the you know big players in punk rock, and there aren't really you know on the grand scheme of shitty people, you know, like we don't really have too many. Um, well, I'm like until you get to pop punk, I don't even know what to say. So the uh, the first person that comes up for me when 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 you and I talk is um like your detestation of fat Mike right um, yeah <laughs> so hate him yeah so there's three that come up and it's Gigi Allen fat Mike and Billy Joe Armstrong but I really want to talk about fat Mike because we have like two different perspectives I guess on him so like mm-hmm. What do you think about Fat Mike? Because you also, yeah. So anyway, what do you think about Fat Mike? What do you think about Fat Mike's music or his contribution to punk rock? So what I think about Fat Mike and his entire music catalog, well, I'm going to tell you the first thing that I'm going to tell anybody is I can't stand his fucking voice, which is like reason numero uno. I do not listen to no effects. Um, but beyond that, when we did an, the episode about punk rock and movies and we were kind of like, okay, what it looks like here is that the world is using punk rock as an excuse for bad behavior. That's exactly how I feel about Fat Mike. I feel like this man is somebody who is creating his own agenda based on like whatever the fuck he feels like doing. And, like, how are the fuck he feels, like, marketing that agenda via punk rock. And, like, sometimes those things are good. And sometimes he does good things with his, like, platform. And then sometimes those things are fucking shitty and dumb and frat boy-like, like like his Las Vegas joke. You know what I mean? So it's, like, 
I don't I don't necessarily think that Fat Mike is the worst person on the planet but I don't I wouldn't necessarily call his behavior acceptable like especially via like my idea of punk rock ethos you know that whole concept of him like in the f word when he was like yeah I have a kid I'm just gonna keep doing cocaine like sure dude that's your choice but maybe think about your platform here (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like a lot of people look up to you and like maybe you can be like a functional coke user and not tear your family apart like a lot of people can't do that and like maybe you shouldn't just be like I'm just gonna keep doing it because I don't care about anything like punk rock right because like no dude like think about your effect on the world you obviously climbed your way into having this much influence uh you should wield it responsibly yeah yeah I, uh, you know, they're one of the many bands that I, that were like foundational for me. And, um, you know, Fat Mike does contribute a lot to like the punk rock community and then also to like the homeless community and addiction communities. And then he does a lot to advance like LGBT um, and BDSM communities like in a in a positive way and um i also agree that his behavior is not acceptable um i now won't necessarily go out and seek no effects music um but i'm not gonna turn it off if it pops up on a playlist necessarily um and you know when they came to oahu i think in 2014 Um, I, you know, we don't get a lot of like really big punk rock bands in Hawaii. So like I went and it it was just like packed and like I moshed for the first time. And like, I did know almost all of the songs and I just had like such a great time. It was such a great time. And like, it just felt really good. Um, so I'm not going to hate on no effects, um, either. It's just this weird, that's a weird one for me. Cause it's like, I, don't I haven't sorted out my feelings on it yet I think it would be the best way to say it you know like his behavior is not acceptable um but I and I can't separate him from the music at all like you know at all yeah I mean there there is especially like any band that survived like through the course of longevity like no effects has you know like they definitely do so on having a certain uh what's the word i'm looking for like a a certain something that makes them them right like a, a particular trait that has survived the generations for social distortion it's mike ness who also is kind of a piece of shit yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> you know but like uh, i would say no effects has fat mike which like keeps keeps fucking no effects being no effects you know what i mean or like social distortion is still social distortion because mike ness is still in the band like all of the other parts of the band are interchangeable but if you got rid of fat mike then no effects probably wouldn't be no effects anymore yeah Um, i think i can agree with that yeah you know like (laughs) this kind of yeah (laughs) i was gonna say this is a little off topic but like i saw dead kennedy's play um like 
a year or two ago. And was Jello Biafra there? No. So okay. I didn't see Dead Kennedy's play. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I was really fucking mad. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, That's okay. sad. I should have been more responsible about looking at what I was paying for. I just assume <laughs> like all these bands are doing reunions now, you know? So mm-hmm. I just was hopeful. I was too hopeful. You were, you got, uh, you got, I want to say stymied or you got a uh, blind set. You got hoodwinked. You got hoodwinked. <laughs> I got hoodwinked. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Who, who else comes up for you? Uh, that piece of shit, Jorge from the casualties, you know, that guy has multiple allegations, um, against him, sexual misconduct allegations. Um, He's just out there still being like oi oi and a 40 ounce or whatever the fuck the casualties are singing about these days. And like, that's just a bummer. You know, uh, right before we started recording today, we were kind of doing a little bit of research, like pre research, just to line out some topics or like particulars that we were going to talk about. And I found an article which I will post, we will post in the show notes. Uh, that was specifically about a history of like sexual misconduct in the warp tour which makes Mm. sense because they're basically a bunch of fucking frat boys right um a lot of those bands because that was the era um like the early 2000s and this is where we're gonna i guess this is a good time to jump into like that pop punk like sexual allegations thing but Regardless, you know, bands like the Casualties and stuff started becoming warped for bands when punk rock became, like, more mainstream, mm-hmm. um, especially in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, like, yeah, that's exactly where he was being accused of things, was at, like, big music festivals like that. Uh, and, yeah, we just let that piece of shit walk around. Like, <laughs> it's no big deal. People are fine with forgiving or like not even wanting to hear it. I don't even know if it's forgiving. That's like a whole nother realm. How many of these yeah. artists are pieces of shit and like the world doesn't even want to know about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a thread that, you know, once we set it settled on like, this is what we're going to talk about today. I was like, well, I don't really know too much about what's going on in, in punk and stuff. So, you know, I just Googled like, um, punk controversies, you know, uh, punk harassment. And this Reddit thread came up that was really, really informative. Like, thank you to the people that contributed to that thread last year. Um, there, there are several threads, actually. But this one is like, why is pop punk Martin controversies? And it's about this person wanted to be like a conscientious music fan and wanted to stay away from pop punk bands that are embroiled in like you know sexual harassment and scandal and like different kinds of you know rape allegations and all you know all the things that you should not support um and so this one user just like laid out like all these bands and they're like oh I didn't know and it goes into like the history of some of them so like the top three bands and I don't know anything really about these three bands um, but they're the Lost Prophets, A Day to Remember, and Pierce the Veil. And um, <laughs> it goes into the the, the controversies and stuff um, that surround them. And it just was really educational for me to, like, 
uh, read about them and know that this is happening and that people, you're right, they don't want to know, like some people don't want to know, but some people really do. They're really interested because like they see where their power is as a fan. And I think that's really admirable. Yeah. You know, all three of those bands that you mentioned are exactly the kind of bands that would be like on that Warped Tour circuit, uh, particularly, you know, I don't even know if Warped Tour still happens. Um, I don't really care. I don't know. I, I, think it, I think it might. I don't know. Yeah. I don't but, <laughs> you know, regardless of that fact, uh, those were definitely like the bands that were like headlining at like the height of Warped Tour. They're definitely like that era of like that pop punk emo screamo kind of world um Mm. and you know it's what's shocking about so many of them is that they all kind of are being uh called out on the same shit and that a lot of (laughs) a lot of them are being called out particularly on like soliciting nudes from underage girls or like chatting up underage girls or like you know um I guess, like, it kind of makes sense that that was happening because that's who was listening to their music. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, predatory in the sense. And that's, like, I always have, like, a really, especially now because this, like, style of music is having a resurgence and, like, we did the whole episode about pop punk and, uh, you know, what is it? Mm -hmm. It's punk rock, blah, blah, blah. But, like, this whole resurgence that's happening in this, like, late 90s, early to mid 2000s like pop punk era like it was weird that these guys were all singing about being in high school and stuff when they were in their mid 30s but like it's really weird now that they're in their fucking 50s um (laughs) but like their audience is the same age it's like the fucking matthew mcconaughey like uh Uh, i get older and they say the same age i love that movie oh my gosh it's a great movie but like you know (laughs) that's exactly what it is like their songs keep being about high school so like you know naturally their audience is going to be in high school and like they're (laughs) it's you know like should they be held responsible for that fact like i don't know it's a good question like uh this guy i'm sorry i have to find it again i just pulled this up i found this entire list on rateyourmusic.com mm. of just a lot of different artists who have been accused of sexual misconduct. Um, abusers, rapists, pedophiles, creeps, and murderers is what the, <laughs> the list is called. And That's awesome. Yeah, we it's We'll definitely long. post that in the show notes. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly long. <laughs> But, okay, yes, Jesse Lacey from the band Brand New, which I definitely remember having a height of popularity in, like, 2004-ish when I was maybe, like, 14 or 15. Um, But he admitted to soliciting nude pictures from underage girls online, you Mm. know? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. um, so, like what do you like i don't know it's it's a weird arena right to like put the whole fucking style of music is weird why i don't know wait so he admitted to it and there still is no like consequences or backlash like okay so um 
like two things came up for me. One I've been wanting to talk about and I'll, I'll table it for a little longer. The one that is coming up immediately as a response to that is like, what a tragedy, uh, what a failing of the industry to not have any kind of sort of repercussions and consequences for that. Um, because in wrestling, that shit was immediate. Like um, wrestling went through a, a, the Me Too movement as well. All these wrestlers like that were sexually harassing, uh, abusing women, um, forcing women to perform sexual favors in order to get um, spots on indie shows or on TV. Um, all that shit came out and they were axed. Um, it was it was instant. And um, like, I feel like as a community, wrestlers are totally fine with not supporting any of those people again. Um, we don't want to see them. And the fact that there is no backlash to someone who legit was like, yeah, I did it, like, is kind of baffling. Like, yeah, you know, the really gross thing is like, like I said, the resurgence that's happening in this like particular genre of music right now, like is so there's so much nostalgia surrounding it. Mm. like look how fast so like when we were young like fest or whatever which i'm pretty sure is just fire fest for like <laughs> fucking uh pop punk kids <laughs> but like whatever my point is that like the whole that whole nostalgia that whole nostalgic scene like that is the very thing that is like forgiving these fucking dudes for what they did because people liked feeling that way when they were young you know mm-hmm. what I mean like that is the audience that they were singing to when they were that's what I was saying like when they were in their mid-30s um mm-hmm. and so it takes them like back to this like very nostalgic feeling of just like oh remember when you were a teenager and like heartbreak was super severe and like your emotions were so valuable to you and like all of these things and um that's my point that's what i'm trying to say about these bands who are coming back to do it again like but now they're in like their 50s -hmm. or like 40s i guess closer to their 40s but like my point is like it's weird It, it was weird then to like have like a very specific bubblegum kind of audience like like they were fucking in sync or something because you know basically and i guess like rock and roll's always kind of been that way like david bowie and like has that whole sexual allegation and taking a 14 year old's virginity mm-hmm. um and like you know motley crew has an endless amount of sexual allegations so like yeah i guess if you're like any pop star you'll always have that that power uh or like that yeah power is a good word for it yeah but it's just weird like it it seems predatory by nature (laughs) like the whole the whole scene kind of like seems predatory or it seems like you're definitely setting yourself up to be tempted with that situation when like your entire your entire existence wanes around like your popularity with like young girls or like you know young men as well but you know, young folk. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, just because if you're a good person, it shouldn't matter what the age is. And, you know, like you should feel more responsibility. I think caring about young people, like if you are responsible 
for young people, your responsibility is greater than if you're caring for adults. You know, I don't know. That's just how I feel. Totally. Um, And I agree with that, except I think we see time and time again that like when we create industries that specifically pander to young people, we always end up with this situation. Like look at the Boy Scouts, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like look at fucking youth groups and church camps and you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I'm just saying, like, building the platform is definitely building space for these kinds of issues, and, like, it's not like these bands, like, nobody's gonna fucking vet these bands, you know what I mean? Mm. Or, like, there's no, like, The vetting is in how much money they make. Yeah, exactly, and, like, that, say, how much money they make is, like, how much reason we have to forgive them later also, because that means that's how popular they were. Mm -hmm. So that's what i'm saying just like any industry that is created for youth and run by like adults seems predatory by nature mm-hmm. um, yeah okay i'm with or you like now. i guess pop industry you know what i mean like yeah like look at britney spears like look how well, look, look at a fucking tragedy that was you know what i mean like yeah it's so sad when you're taking kids that are this young and sexualizing them and or like when you even Miley too Miley Cyrus went through a whole bunch of shit and she was like oh you know it took because wrecking ball talk of like your song right from last week (laughs) um when she was doing promotions for wrecking ball you know she was totally like people can't tell me what to do like I'm an adult and I choose to do this and then like years later when she came out with Malibu she um was like you know I can't believe that uh, how naive I was not to realize that I was being manipulated by old white men and like I want ownership over my body I want my agency back and it was just like so crazy it did just take some years to get there you know but like Mm -hmm. yeah it happened to I mean it happens to all women you know all women (laughs) everywhere pretty much like yeah basically world's (laughs) terrible (laughs) yeah well, like, my point is, I guess, like, when you're creating something that is specifically meant to, like, hit a certain age demographic, like, you should maybe be weary or, like, that whole industry should be scanned for, like, something predatory because, like, it just, it's just logic. Yeah. Um, I guess moving on from the pop punk industry, though, into something, like, more, a little more punk rock involved also is uh, sexual misconduct in the tattoo industry dude this is a really big one are you aware Mm. uh i mean like i mean like put on any episode of miami inc and it's like how the fuck did you all get this on tv like you pieces of shit um yeah it was very i mean like i know that it was common i don't know anything specific but i do know you know like i know that girls were drugged i know they were forced to get drunk i know that if you go to any tattoo like expo if you want to get a free tattoo just show your tits you know like it um yeah i I know that stuff (laughs) i mean it's just like it's that industry in itself too is like it has there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for scumbags. I mean, any industry has a lot of opportunity for scumbags, but specifically one where someone is paid to put their hands on you. Yeah. Like they, you are vulnerable beyond like words at that point, you know, and you don't really have any agency to speak up against like your artists, especially like if you're being tattooed in a place that is like particularly intimate 
Um, I have my sternum tattooed and I was tattooed by one of our really good friends, you know, so Mm -hmm. I didn't have a shitty experience with that. But like, you know, in order to tattoo your sternum, like they legit just have to like be in that area (laughs) all fucking day. Yeah, I can only imagine how often that gets really creepy. Yeah, um, I know someone who got a back tattoo, um, and it was, you know, in the early 2000s, and their experience was that they just took their top off and were just, like, titties out, you know, like, while this person was, like, working on their back. And I was like, I had my back done, and I just wore a halter. Like, I, you don't need to get naked. Like, you don't need to get naked to get a tattoo and if if they want you to just get naked and be naked without any kind of like a gown or dressing or covering like I would encourage you to run maybe um just because like because like you can get tattoos in intimate places and still be um respectably covered yeah and also there should never be a situation where you're getting tattooed and it is just you and the artist. Yeah. Um, Unless you pay for a private, always... you can pay for a private, a, a private room. Um, sure. Which is at fine. some places. Yeah. But like, that's your situation. You're specifically asking for that. My point is that you shouldn't ever let any artist tell you that that's how things are going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as some artists have private studios and that's one thing, but like if you feel uncomfortable with that and you would like to bring a friend with you, that should always be okay. Um, I know that that is like a really big issue in that industry is that so many women feel pressured into coming to get tattooed by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's never okay. I mean, anybody trying to tell you that you have to do anything that is uncomfortable isn't okay, but, like, you know, it's, the tattoo world is still a very male-dominated industry, and even though, like, there's been significant strides in changing that, it it is still a male-dominated industry, and, um, not, you know, just like any industry, not all those, not all those guys are vetted, <laughs> so... Just be careful when you're getting tattooed. And also, this is another thing I want to talk about with tattoos, because, like, this is one that I don't think that we talk about enough. But when you have tattoos, people aren't allowed to grab you so that they can see your tattoos, even if it's Mm -mm. just grabbing your wrist or your arms or anything. Mm -mm. Um, That's, like, another really big one that we just, like, don't talk about enough as a society. And I do want to, like, remind people that, like, that is sexual harassment and or misconduct if it's an unwanted touch i don't give a shit if it's on your arm your shoulder your wrist uh that's not chill (laughs) yeah agreed um yeah uh i think the the last thing i want to talk about is just um i've been putting it off but the first thing that always comes up for me when i think of like violence in music or like separating people from art is uh i think of two things i think of varg um from the black metal band 
whatever their name Mayhem. is. Mayhem. Thank you. And I yeah. also think of the dude from As I Lay Dying who tried to murder his wife. Um, mm. And he did go to jail for it because he solicited like to pay someone to murder his wife um, who wound up being an undercover cop. And he went to jail, but now he's out just like walking around, you know, and that's that's really scary and not not very cool. <laughs> Yeah, the amount of trouble that these people get into, like I said, seems to be dependent on their popularity um, or, like, their uh, reputability. I feel like, um, okay, Varg. (laughs) Let's talk about fucking Varg. Varg burned down churches (laughs) and and murdered a lot of people. He murdered a couple people. Uh, Muckducked. I don't know that Varg murdered anyone. I know the drummer for Mayhem murdered a, a dude in the park. Uh, oh, right. It was yeah. the drummer murdered the dude in the park, but Varg murdered um, Euronymous. Yeah. 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 So, okay, let's, let's talk about Mayhem in general, because holy shit. <laughs> so, Mayhem... For anybody who doesn't know, Mayhem was, like, the birth of Norwegian black metal, right? It was, like, Basically, it was a bunch of kids who saw Venom happen and decided mm-hmm. that they were going to do that, except, like, they wanted to be more shocking. Euronymous, their lead singer, uh, started kind of, like, crafting this whole, like, Norwegian black metal scene by just being a total piece of shit. I mean, and the the irony in it is that, like, through creating this like monstrous like shitty scene he created a monstrous shitty person in Varg. yeah and so you know like that was like a swelling of egos that caused that murder between like varg wanting to be as hardcore as euronymous made norwegian black metal seem um and just you know probably mental illness <laughs> involved in there yeah. as well yeah Uh, but like all in all the whole the whole scene was shitty like the whole black metal scene was very fucking racist like they were very very into like nazis i mean uh they were super homophobic like the whole fucking scene was gross um Mm -hmm. and the thing that sucks the most about it is like everything that varg was doing was for the aesthetic that he was this kind of like that he was this piece of shit um and you know all of this like oh we burn churches for odin and like all of that shit like i'm sorry buddy no (laughs) no (laughs) no you don't like this looks really scary and you look really tough and like whatever but like he's just kind of an idiot um but you know like the whole that mayhem like that wasn't something we should have ever been cool with, you know, like Euronymous, even when Euronymous was like leader of that band uh, dead, their original lead singer blew his fucking brains out and he took a picture of it, yep. you know? And that was like, their album cover. Yeah, and like he's a real piece of shit, <laughs> you know? Like you have to be a real piece of shit to do that. And then like they supposedly wore like pieces of his skull around their neck, like that's not accurate. I'm pretty sure they're fucking chicken bones chicken bone yeah Yeah. is what what came out yeah but yeah it's just like you the whole the whole scene was based on being a piece of shit and if like you're subscribing to like any kind of fanship for that band like you should really rethink what you're 
what you're doing. Like, I know that they're a big part of black metal history, but like not for any good reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm not a black metal fan, but if you are and uh, you have some kind of appreciation for mayhem for their their like fundamental roots in that scene, like, ugh, gross, stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, that. that's literally a band where you cannot separate the atrocities from the art (laughs) yeah totally and i mean it's kind of like the Gigi allen thing you know where like the atrocities were the art for them yeah like i think great (laughs) tie-in yeah i think that like just like with Gigi allen like the atrocities like they kept upping the ante with like how shitty they were going to be until like eventually something tragic happened just like Gigi allen like he just kept being shitty and building like this shitty persona and writing shitty music about shitty things until finally he just you know fucking died from it yeah (laughs) he was so validated in being shitty yeah so sad um Um, so sad (laughs) do you wanna uh let's uh i was gonna say do you want to try to end it on a happy note but i guess you know the way that we ended on a happy note is our shout outs um yeah. Is, <laughs> is there are there any bands that you're listening to oh bands <laughs> um there's always bands that i'm listening to i would like to shout out punk bands Ooh, um i feel like i want to shout out Hmm. My mind is drawing a blank. Do you have anything? Can we can we pass and come back to me? Yeah, I totally do. So uh, the other day I was cruising our Instagram and my favorite band Strung Out posted this flyer from 1995 and it was like them and DFL and Jughead's Revenge. And I was like, man, now I want to listen to some dead fucking last. And uh, so I want to shout out um dfl and my crazy life also i think they're all doing a show together again like soon ish um which i just think is is really cool so um dfl stands for my crazy life um there's a tie-in with the beastie boys adam horowitz like produced it uh, the album is my crazy life and they did a re-release for their 20th anniversary and like we're so fucking old that um, it's going to hit its 30th anniversary in two years. So that's just really crazy. Um, but yeah, give it a listen. They're a very fun, very fun band. Uh, one thing that we kind of shouted out on our Instagram that we should shout out in this episode is the first ever Punk Rock Saves Lives Festival is happening, guys, in Denver. Oh, and I'm yeah, trying to find the exact dates go. on that. I it's wish we could go July- to 23rd and 24th um it's july 23rd and 24th in denver and um i don't recall where it's at but i do know that tickets are 25 dollars a person and if you want to do vip i think it's like 50 dollars a person um but it's at a brew pub or something um and we aren't i'm not able to go because i'm actually leaving chicago that day um i'm flying to chicago and then we're we'll be leaving Chicago on the 23rd and I just can't swing that extra stop in Denver, but 
ne- maybe yeah. next year punk rock saves lives how amazing yeah congratulations to punk rock saves lives on your your first ever uh, festival that's fucking cool guys and if you're in the denver area or surrounding area check that festival out yeah and go support a really good cause and a really cool nonprofit. yeah definitely um i've okay i found a band i wanted to shout out um <laughs> <laughs> I had to like look back through like my phone of what I've been listening to this week. Nice. Um, I want to shout out the band Bacchus. They are from Galway, Ireland. They are a DIY crust hardcore band. Uh, their very first album, I believe, was a self-titled, and it's so fucking good. If you guys are into that kind of like crusty melodic hardcore like uh, early from ashes rise or like early kailessa i highly highly recommend bacchus uh you guys kick ass thanks for making good music that is amazing um i had i wanted to also uh shout out this book it's called I take my coffee black and it's by um Tyler Merritt um he actually went to the same high school I went to um I know of him and we're like Facebook friends and stuff um he did a viral video and uh uh I'll post the link to that too and then from that he got to you know write this book um which I can't find the description to right now. Um, yeah. And then the other, or uh, I also wanted to shout out the, we were talking about all this like stuff about like um, Hollywood and um, Ava DuVernay created a uh, production company a while ago called Array. And so what um, they do is they have, um, like uh all these different like black black and brown people who contribute to film in the filmmaking process or the entertainment creation process and so people can go there like um you know and 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 use ra um members on uh through their production um behind the camera crew and then like also in front of the camera as well and they have classes and stuff awesome yeah um i want to shout out this really awesome nonprofit called sounds of change they are a nonprofit that trains change makers in conflict areas and refugee camps and marginalized communities that's amazing yeah um most of their work and projects take place throughout the Middle East, Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, um, North Iraq, and then some in the Netherlands as well. And they're just uh, there's a badass nonprofit, guys. If you, I mean, I think like in terms of re- uh, replicability, as far as like making more programs like this available throughout the world, uh, they're definitely worth checking out. They got a great mission. That is awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm ready to go, like, um, give you a hug and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my dirty ass office. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fine. It's just, it's very dark now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, how am I going to get out of here? It'll be fine. 
Uh, but yeah, um, follow us on Instagram and uh, you can email us if you have any questions at out on an island podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to comment on our posts and stuff too. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks everybody. Have a good day, week, night, month, year, whatever you're doing.